I needed to not skate by for once in my life, and they didn't let me. At the end of the day, if you know that you don't feel good about the job, you got to be able to leave that behind. They just kept asking me to come back, and I truly love Milwaukee and Southeast Wisconsin. It's always great to be at WTMJ. This is WTMJ Conversations. Welcome to WTMJ Conversations. I'm Sandy Max with a very special guest, Don Smiley, President and CEO of Milwaukee World Festival, Inc., with the crown jewel being Summerfest. And Don, when did you start there? Sandy, I started in June of 2004, so this year will commemorate my 20th season at Summerfest. Mm -hmm. So December 31st, I'll be hanging up the CEO title and passing it along to Sarah Pancari. Well, Succession isn't just the name of a popular TV series. No. It's something you've been a part of. So when you've been at Summerfest for this length of time and overseen so many changes that we'll talk about, what is that succession process like? What are the priorities? What is that experience like? Well, it takes a while. I mean, succession is a very deliberate and well-thought-out process, or it should be. And we've taken our time over the years to understand all of the people who are in particular key management positions and what their plans are going forward and had a lot of conversation requires a lot of dialogue. And so when all of that comes together, then we start thinking about, okay, who can step up into those particular positions or do we need to go out and do a search? So we were fortunate enough to have a deep enough bench where we were able to promote from within with some very key positions over the last couple of years. And that'll culminate with me leaving as CEO at the end of 2023. What are a couple of the most important things that you want to see moving forward as you choose your successor in Sarah Pancari? We've worked on everything that has been important to the organization together over the last 10 years. So for me, I look at it as a really seamless point in the development of Sarah and also in the seamless integration of a new president and CEO for the organization come the end of the year. So we've worked so close together over the years that that's really been helpful. She knows exactly what I'm thinking about, and I know what she's thinking about. And when you put it together, it really does turn out to be a really good choice for the next leader of Milwaukee World Festival, Inc. So when you started in 2004 as president and CEO of Summerfest, and you get to the Henry Meyer Festival grounds, what do you envision? Is that a blank canvas to you? Do you automatically see improvement, improvement, improvement? Like, what was your sensation upon that first assessment? The condition of the grounds is what really drew me to the opportunity, because I knew we had Bob Babish here, who is really proficient in booking bands and music, and he had years and years and years of experience. And that was really important to me as I considered taking on the president and CEO role for the organization, because I didn't really want to focus on that. I almost looked at Bob as a general manager of a baseball team, which we can get into in a second, whereas he would run the players and and so on, and I would run the business side of things. I like that analogy a lot. When I looked at the condition of the stages and the grounds in general, 
they they really needed a lot of work. They were really on the downside of of of, of going nowhere, and so. When you look at all of the gates, the north gate, the mid gate, the south gate, and all of the stages, including the amphitheater, we've virtually rebuilt everything, and Sarah will be left with a park that is really sparkling and well put together. That's not to say that there won't always be more uh, improvements to be made. But as far as stages and, and major construction projects, we've really checked those off the list as we've been going forward over the years. So it was really the conditions of the grounds in this beautiful lakefront setting that drew me to the opportunity, meaning I accepted that as a challenge because I knew the whole thing had to be redone. You can name any stage you want to name or any gate you want to. When you look at before and after pictures, it's just stunning what it looked like in 2004 versus what it looks like today. I'm a lifelong fan. I've gone pretty much every year, so I've definitely seen that evolution. And even just driving by the other day, and you're right, those gates now, they are this large, white, welcoming spaces that look very permanent. Right. Instead of having that sort of, okay... It's we can spe- always pack up and go anytime. You know, right. like it is there. It really speaks well for the city. Anyone coming into our city, visiting, and certainly for Summerfest and the ethnic festivals, we have visitors from all over the world. Those first impressions are really important, and we do our best to keep all of that new and fresh and exciting. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. There was a lot of road work. Sarah and I tore a lot of leather off of our shoes going around and seeing that many people to raise that kind of money. Don Smiley, president and CEO of Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated, shares what it takes to evolve and improve the Summerfest grounds as a recreation destination. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm Sandy Max. In for Libby Collins. I'm talking with Don Smiley, president and CEO of Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated. Let's find out what it was like starting out as the head of Summerfest 20 years ago. So you have this vision to evolve the grounds and you want to be there for a nice long time to see that evolution happen. But anytime a major renovation of a publicly used property takes place, there's usually a move to ask for public money to support the project, like we're seeing now with American Family Field. But under your leadership, the $51.3 million renovation of the American Family Insurance Amphitheater in particular used no public money. How did you achieve that? Three different ways. We did a bond deal in which we're responsible for the debt. We put in our own money in which we had saved up over the years. And American Family Insurance, our, our title sponsor of the event and of the building, also contributed to the construction of the building. And then we went out and sold what we called 2020 club memberships and also founder club memberships. And it was a lot of road work. Sarah and I tore a lot of leather off of our shoes going around and seeing that many people to raise that kind of money to establish and to recreate the amphitheater to what it is today. And if we didn't do that, we would not be able to sign the bands that we sign today because all of the bands, management, agents, and the bands themselves, 
the bar has really been raised globally as far as the venues that they play in. So if you've got an old dilapidated building, I mean, they re- they really don't want to do that. And so we took that challenge. We actually raised the roof <laughs> of the amphitheater from 38 feet to 63 feet or so, so that bands could get more production inside the building. We have 18 dressing rooms now. We have more rooms for trucks and vans and tour buses, etc. So we really did do a top-to-bottom job on the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. And But for that renovation, like I say, we would not be able to book the bands that we currently book which is really the leader of the festival, if you will. We have outstanding bands on the grounds in all of the stages that we operate, whether it's the Miller Stage or Generac or USL, Uline. I'll get in trouble for not naming them all. But <laughs> it's that have, many partners and relationships we, yeah, I mean, that you've developed. We, yeah, they, 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 there really are a lot of partners and sponsorship partners that enable us to keep prices low for our fans out there, and everyone can afford to go to Summerfest in some form or fashion. I mean, if you just do a little bit of homework and if you have three cans of peas on the right day, you're going to get in for nothing. The point being, there's plenty of good music on the ground stages, and we take pride in that because, A, we spend a lot of money behind signing those bands, and we also do the same thing in the amphitheater, but we look at it almost as two different businesses. Because in the amphitheater, you must buy a ticket for that show, which also gets you admission into Summerfest. Mm-hmm. For the grounds, you can buy a ticket. I think our most expensive ticket this year is $26 at peak time. And like I said, there's all different kinds of ways to get in for free or close to free. Every single day, uh, different every promotions. Single day. Yeah. So that's where people roam from ground stage to ground stage to see and hear all of the bands and discover that, that, new music. that we've signed. Yeah. So, you know, we sign over 800 bands, so there's plenty of music down there. <laughs> Indeed. I want to mention two things that I don't know people know about you necessarily. First of all, that you grew up in Racine. So you I, really are a Wisconsin guy. I certainly did. I grew up in Racine and snuck up to Summerfest as a teenager. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you had any fond romantic memories of Summerfest. So you were sneaking up. What does that entail? Well, that that was that was. <laughs> I went to Sacred Heart Catholic Grade School in Racine. Then I went on to St. Catharines, and when at St. Catharines, yeah, we snuck up here a few times. Those stories will stay in the vault, <laughs> but you know we didn't know much about it at all. But we did know we were going to the big city. I mean, Milwaukee at that time was huge compared to Racine. So, do you remember any music acts from those? You know, I days? really don't. You know, that'd be going way back, and and you know, <laughs> my memory doesn't go back to what I was listening to when I was eighteen years old or seventeen. But it's the strong emotional connection of going to Summerfest with friends. Like, yeah, that was, obviously stays with you. You just lit up. It's great to see this smile on your face and hear the warmth in your voice going, oh yeah, I remember those days. That was fantastic. And then when I eventually moved away, when I was back here in the summertime visiting, if at the same time Summerfest was going on, we would jump up here and have a good time. So yeah, Summerfest has been in my life in one way or another for a very long time (laughs) and it's been a pure joy. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. I was the youngest president in Major League Baseball at the time. The second thing that I'm not sure people know about Don Smiley, president and CEO of Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated, and it has to do with Major League Baseball bling. 
Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back. I'm Sandy Max in for Libby Collins. I'm talking with Don Smiley, president and CEO of Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated. I mentioned that one of two things that I'm not sure people know about you is that you grew up in Racine, Wisconsin. The second thing that I don't know people realize about you, you have a World Series ring. I do. You're not wearing it now. I I wish I'd ask you to bring it in. I do. Tell us about uh, your World Series ring. Well, that's a little bit of a long story, but to shorten it up, when I first moved to South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, I went to work with a fellow by the name of Wayne Heisinger, who started Waste Management. We started Blockbuster Entertainment together, so Blockbuster Video. And I might still have a card somewhere. You, well, that would that be, membership that, card, that a collector's item. <laughs> he started AutoNation. He's the only American entrepreneur to start three Fortune 500 companies. How did you meet him? I was actually in the golf business. I worked for a PGA Tour event called the Honda Classic. And Wayne was on the board of the Honda Classic, the local board, which benefited the Boys and Girls Clubs of Broward County. And so I just went down the stationery and I went to meet each and every board member and I got to the H's and I said, Mr. Heisinger, and I introduced myself and I said, you know, since you're a board member here, you know, it would make sense that you would support this tournament. And he said, absolutely. Look at you with those relationships early. This sounds like a real key to your continued success. So he ended up buying some pro-am spots and hospitality tables and program ads. And it was in that meeting, the very first meeting that I had with him, that he offered me a job. And he said, would you think about coming to work with me and us? And I said, well, we've just met, number one. Number two, I said, I just really landed the job of a lifetime here. I I got a job on the PGA Tour. And he said, yeah, I understand. And so one thing led to another. I didn't take the position. Then I went back and told my buddies what had happened. And they, in unison, all called me an idiot at the same (laughs) time. time. So, you know, I'm not a Rhodes Scholar, but I did figure out that I must be an idiot, that if they're all saying it in unison at the same time that I didn't jump on that opportunity. So we had that tournament. The next year I went back, we went through the whole thing all over again. And he said, let me ask you, kid, have you had any time to think about the offer that I made you? And I said, Mr. Heisinger, I have had some time to think about that, and I'd like to learn more about it. And he said, nah, Never mind. He said, anyone who takes a year to make a decision can't work for me. And so, of course, I fell out of the chair onto the floor, and he started laughing. He had a big, big laugh and a big sense of humor. He had a really, really good sense of humor. And one thing led to another, and I went to work for Wayne. And then we got our hands on Blockbuster Video when there were 10 stores. We developed it to 3,000 stores worldwide. And we ended up selling that chain to Sumner Redstone, with Paramount and Universal. And prior to that sale, we had an opportunity to get involved with Major League Baseball through the expansion of the National League Eastern Division. I brought that to Wayne, and he said, yeah, let's look into that because we had just bought 50% of Joe Robbie Stadium where the Miami Dolphins played. This was a brand new stadium on the Broward Dade line, and there were only like 10 events there at the time. So we were looking for more dates. Well, baseball's 81 dates, Mm -hmm. so this was right up our alley. One thing led to another. We went through this whole expansion process. We were awarded a team. He asked me, do I want to stay with Blockbuster or would I like to go with baseball? I said, I'd like to go with baseball. He hired a president of the team. I was vice president of sales and marketing at the time. The president that he hired never made it to opening day, which was April 5th of 1993 against the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
which we happened to win that game. <laughs> Carl Barger, who he had hired, unfortunately dropped over dead at the winter meetings in 1992 and never made it to the opening day. So after we made it through our inaugural season, 1993, Wayne came to me on President's Day of 1994 and said, would you like to be president of the ball club and chairman of the stadium? And I said, I would really like to do that. I said, Wayne, I don't have that type of experience. If I could have you to lean into to help me when I'm going to need direction, because I knew I would need direction. I was the youngest president in Major League Baseball at the time. I was going to ask you, I, what, were you even 40 at that time? No, I was, I was much less than 40. I was going to so, say, you had to be in your 30s. That's yeah, a, To be part of the launch of a Major League yeah, Baseball it, team it, it, and it then was, be president. Yeah, it was really Don. So he agreed to all of that. and so To, in, to it, guiding it, you, to he kind did, of mentor you. Yeah, he, he was always my mentor. He has passed away, but he's still my mentor. So and you in say all, that so, because you remember some things that he's oh yeah, there's said some, or there's, yeah, there's just some some principles that that he laid down and that are in place in the way that I do business today. That between my mother and father and between Wayne. I feel like I've had just the best business and social and human being upbringing that any. Could possibly have. So in August of 1994, my first season as president, the players went on strike. And so if you'll recall, the World Series wasn't played that year, and the fans were hot. I mean, they were mad, and rightfully so. The season was canceled. The World Series was canceled. There was labor strife between the owners and the players' union. That all came to a head when now Supreme Court Justice Justice Sotomayor, she reverted everything back to the rules of 93 to the players' union, and that started baseball back up again. She wasn't a Supreme Court justice at the time. She was a federal judge in New York at the time. And so things got going. 1995 was a tough go. Fans were still mad. We had a really good ball club we were building around. And in 1997, as we worked through 95 and 96, 1997, we went out and made a couple of key signings prior to spring training. We put together a heck of a roster. We hired Jim Leland as our manager. And lo and behold, in 1997, we won the World Series as we entered the playoffs as the wild card winner. That was probably the biggest thrill of my life outside of the birth of my son. But it was just crazy that night. I'll never forget it. We watch it every now and then and look at the highlights of that evening and how that game went. There's another Wisconsin connection there, and that's with Craig Council. Really? He played second base for us on that club. We traded for him in August of 96 or 97, I can't remember, and he was so reliable. He just wasn't going to miss the routine play. And we had a roster full of stars, and Jim was really looking for that reliability, and it was in Craig Council. Craig played a major role in our World Series victory. He hit a sack fly to tie the ball game up, to push it into extra innings, and then and in extra innings, he ended up getting on base and scoring a winning run. So Craig and I have that to this day when we see each other. We still think about 97 a little bit. What a thrill that was. I'll bet. What, that is just great history to have together. And I love that the Wisconsin thread just continues through yeah. your life, no matter where you were. Still ahead on WTMJ Conversations. Not every ownership group 
spends the way that this ownership group does. And that's really a plus for the fans and for the ballpark. Don Smiley, President and CEO of Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated, discusses the benefits and business angles of developing both Milwaukee Brewers baseball and Summerfest. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. And I'm Sandy Max, in for Libby Collins. Our guest today is Don Smiley, president and CEO of Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated, entering his last year as head of Summerfest. You talk about baseball, and I love how you light up when you talk about baseball. You've been involved in baseball here as a chairman of the board, appointed by the governor, by the state of Wisconsin, of the Southeast Wisconsin Professional Baseball Park District. What has that experience been that like. was a great experience. I was first appointed by Governor Walker and then reappointed by Governor Evers to serve as chairman of the board. And that position really is a position that is set forth to watch over the district for the taxpayers of the five-county area that funded the ballpark from the beginning. So obviously everyone on that board takes that position very seriously as we're protecting the interest of taxpayers. Ten years went by pretty fast, as did 20 years with Summerfest. So That's what happens when you're having clock, fun, Dad. The, yeah, the clock goes pretty quickly. <laughs> but, we, you know, we got a lot done with the Brewers. It was really a good relationship with the Brewers. Fans in this area are very lucky to have the type of ownership group that the Brewers have because they know their responsibility in investing in capital improvements, just as though there is money set aside through the segregated reserve fund, through the tax collections that are used for capital improvements as well. And so the district meets along with the brewers. The brewers come with a list. Things, uh, uh, different projects are approved. Some are not approved. But in the end, it's really important for fans to know that not every ownership group is like that. Not every ownership group spends the way that this ownership group does. And that's really a plus for the fans and for the ballpark. So I don't know the last time you've been to American Family Field, but that ballpark really is in good shape. And it's really kept up. And all of the time and effort that goes behind looking for the little things and making sure that those are stayed on top of to make that ballpark last as long as humanly possible. I wanted to retire the tax. I thought that would be a good time to leave and pass the baton to someone else. The tax was retired, and Tim Sheehy was named the new chairman of the board, which he's more than capable of serving in that position, and they'll do fine going forward. I have to think you see some similarities between evolving the Summerfest grounds over the past 20 years and evolving Miller Park since it opened in 2003. The ballpark was in better condition, and there was a plan from day one as to how to take care of the ballpark through the lease term. So that type of planning early on, I mean, I wasn't around. That wasn't my planning. All that credit goes to other people because they did plan for capital improvements in an annual spend as to how to take care of the ballpark. And whatever taxes were collected, a certain portion of that went into this capital reserve fund. And that's how they kept up with it. Summerfest was a little bit different. Those grounds were built piece by piece. And when they were built like that, there was no public money 
basically in the history of Summerfest. Now, there may have been some road improvements or something like that. If you want to categorize that as public money, I guess road improvements would fall under that umbrella. What I'm really talking about is the demise premise where the stages exist and the restaurants and the restrooms and so on. There really wasn't that kind of plan to, okay, well, what's this going to look like in 20, 25 years? Without that type of funding or access to money for capital improvements, things fall apart, especially when they live on the lake and you go through rough winters like, the weather, like, like, the weathering like we process, go through. Yeah. So it was, it was imperative to come in and, and create a plan to basically tear everything down and rebuild it. And that's what we did. In the right way. Well, hopefully. Instead of just pushing a, a, you know, a, an explosion button and be, then building. Be, beauty's in the eye of the beholder on that. So <laughs> I'm sure some people would argue with me. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. They said, well, you got to go in and get some tape. And I said, well, the church is burning. I'm not sure I want to go in. And then no, I'll go in. It'll be okay. Don Smiley, president and CEO of Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated and the tale of his brief TV career. You're listening to WTMJ Conversations. Welcome back to our conversation with Don Smiley, President and CEO of Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated. I'm your host, Sandy Max, in for Libby Collins. Well, Don, it's been super interesting to get to know your business career in baseball, in golf, with Summerfest. I find it fascinating because when you went to University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, and graduated with basically what's a journalism and broadcasting degree. You did have a TV job. I did. For a whole year in I, Green Bay. I did. What was it about that experience that made you go, you know, <laughs> I might have a brighter future in any other field? That was a funny story. I loved radio TV film. I'm going to date myself, but I wanted to be the next Mike Wallace on 60 Minutes. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get to New York and I wanted to be a network reporter. Do those um, I, tough I, interviews. I, I never got there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I dug in at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, which had a fantastic radio TV film department. And Doc Snyder chaired that department. And it was just fascinating to me. And I had no idea what I wanted to do when I went to college. But I was in college taking prerequisites. And so then it was time to make a decision. And I said, man, that looks fun. I want to be on TV. So I went through that whole program. I landed an internship at WFRV TV in Green Bay. I drove back and forth from Oshkosh to Green Bay every day. And then I bartended at night in Oshkosh. So I had two different jobs. I went to school. Then they hired me on a full-time basis. And I was basically a one-man band. I was carrying the sticks around. I was carrying a recorder around. I was carrying a camera around. It's not like it is today. It was a little bit more bulky back then. Yeah, the technology's evolved, gotten a little more compact. Yeah, and so why did I get out? If is, you've is, caddied is, is on a golf course, you yeah. can carry around broadcast yeah, well, equipment. I did. <laughs> Why did I get out? The proof in the pudding was when there, there was a church that was on fire, and so I was dispatched to the church fire, and they said, well, you got to go in and get some tape. And I said, well, the church is burning. I'm not sure I want to go in. And they said, no, go in. It'll be okay. And so I went in, got the B-roll, and came back and put the story together, filed it. And the next day, I went to the news director. And I said, you know, that was a little chancy going in that church while it was burning. And he said, yeah, you did a great job. He said, that came out That came out really good. I said, that's fantastic. That's nice. You know, it'd be really helpful if I had some health insurance through the company. And he said, no, 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 no. We don't do health insurance for reporters and photographers. And 
And I said, well, that's going to change things a little bit as to what people are willing to do and what kind of chances they're willing to take. And he said, well, that might be, and we'll see what happens. So I thought about that for a little while. I said, you know, this is not for me. And some guys at this bar I used to bartend at, they were all business guys, executives that worked for a paper company. And they had been trying to talk me out of television for a while and come to work with them working for this paper company, which I ended up doing. And they moved me to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I called them after eight months or so. And it was nothing against Sioux Falls, but I really wanted to live in Florida. I knew that. I knew I wanted to live in Florida or be a network person in New York, but Florida was in my plan somewhere. So they moved me to Sioux Falls And it wasn't six, seven months later, I called the VP of sales, who was a friend of mine. And I said, George, I said, listen, it's great here. I really appreciate the opportunity. But unless you have a place in Florida, I'm going to pull the plug and go do something else. And he said, okay, fine. Let me get back to you. And it wasn't two or three weeks later, he called and he said, how would living in West Palm Beach and covering the Keys and the Caribbean be for you. Would that be okay? And I said, that'll be fine, but I'd like to live in Fort Lauderdale versus West Palm Beach, was which was a good decision. And so one thing led to another, and that's how I got to Florida, and that's how I met Wayne Heisinger. That's how the whole thing started happening, and then I ended up back here. You've had some dream job opportunities. You know, it's been a career where, you know how some people on Sundays, they get a little bummed that, oh, geez, I got to go to work tomorrow. And I understand that because people have really hard, stressful jobs in a lot of ways. I never had that. Sunday was always a great day for me, and I was always looking forward to Monday. I was so fortunate and blessed to have the type of career where my days were fun. You know, they were exciting, they were new, and there was always something that you just never knew what was around the next corner. It was so vibrant, and I don't know how else to explain it, but fun. It's just been a really fun ride in my life, in my career. And I know people do very serious things in their careers. They save lives, they work on ambulances, and they work in hospitals and so on. My career has been basically in the toy department, and I've never lost track of that. I'm very appreciative of that, and I really enjoy trying to manufacture something where other people can have fun and take the seriousness out of their life for a moment and try to give them some type of escape and have some fun. Coming up on WTMJ Conversations. Well, I'd like to catch a larger muskie than what I've got, that I've had my <laughs> hands on so far. Don Smiley, president and CEO of Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated and the future of Summerfest and what's next for him. Now, more of WTMJ Conversations. I'm Sandy Max, in for Libby Collins. Today's conversation is with Don Smiley, President and CEO of Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated. Where do you see Summerfest evolving in the next 20 years, now that you've been there for 20 years? Well, technology will play a big role in that. I mean, people don't buy albums or CDs. Everything is streaming now. We look at artists as to how many streams they have. We're real interested in what's going on in Instagram and TikTok and where some of these future stars are coming from. You know, as far as the event, if the grounds are taken care of and we keep reinvesting in the grounds, 
and we keep booking the type of music that we book, and we book something for everyone. We take pride in that, in that we touch each and every genre out there. And with the leadership that we have now, which is completely turned over to a younger staff, which will be led by Sarah, I think the event is in great shape along with all of the ethnic festivals. And I really do believe it starts with the grounds because if the grounds are in poor shape and the restrooms are not up to par, I mean, sooner or later, fans start noticing that and they stop coming because other buildings take Pfizer Forum, for example. A brand new sparkling building. I mean, that raised the bar for a lot of things in, in this city. The new Baird Center will raise the bar for convention meetings, not only in this city, but well beyond. Other convention centers will look at the Baird Center and they're like, holy smokes, that is a wonderful building. And it's going to be a stunning building. So there's a lot of things that you really have to keep your eye on in this city and beyond as to where do we really measure up? What do we want to be known for? What's special about us? And if you focus on those things, which I know Sarah will, because we've had this discussion over and over and over again, and I will always be there for her. I think the event is in great shape. I think she'll be one of the best executives that the city's ever seen. High praise. So as you head into retirement, what are some... No, no. Evolution. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not retiring. Ah. No. <laughs> thank you for correcting me. No, I'm evolving. What is the evolution? <laughs> retirement, retirement sounds too permanent. Okay, I, I can tell. I can understand that. Well, what are some ideal experiences you would like to have in your evolution over the next few years? Well, I'd like to catch a larger muskie than what I've got that I've had my <laughs> hands on so far. But there are several different opportunities that are out there waiting. And I don't really want to be the CEO of anything at this point in time. I'm seasoned enough now to know what I'm good at and what I'm not so good at. So I'd like to take what I'm okay at or good at and go take that and run with it. And wherever that leads me, it will lead me. I have no fear because I have gotten this far and everything has worked out just unbelievably. I'm so blessed the way my career has come about that I have no fear as to what's happening tomorrow or the next day. And I just really want to be helpful out there to other people. And what do you hope your legacy is here in Milwaukee? Yeah, I'm not too big on legacies. That gets defined by someone else. And it's not that I don't care about it. Of course you, of course you care yeah. about you know what you've done and what you've contributed. Because there is a lot of people's fingerprints all over the success of Summerfest. I mean, it's just not me. I mean, I had a vision. We went through and we activated, we executed. But prior to me, I mean, this is our 55th anniversary this year. So I'm 20 of it. There's 35 other years where people have their fingerprints all over the success and some failures of Summerfest. So I just think that this event touches so many people in our community and throughout the nation and the world that I have high confidence that it will continue to do so in the future. Thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you this summer at Summerfest. Thank Don you. Smiley, President and CEO of Milwaukee World Festival Incorporated. Thank you, Sam. If you joined us late and would like to hear this entire conversation with Don Smiley, who's been heading Summerfest and been a business leader in Milwaukee for 20 years, plus a fascinating career that includes his journey in Major League Baseball from the ground floor to the World Series with the Florida Marlins, 
You can listen online. Go to WTMJ.com and share today's show with your friends and family. You'll also find a partial transcript courtesy of eCourt Reporters. For WTMJ Conversations, I'm Sandy Max in for Libby Collins.